Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert global headquarters of the weird. Right here in the great American desert, the southwest. Now, New Mexico calls itself the land of enchantment, and that's what you always call places filled with spirits. The spirits of place. Enchantment. Enchantment, like so many words we've watered down, means a lot more than thinking somebody is charming. Which also doesn't mean what you generally think it does. Unless your favorite website is, like mine, the Etymology Online. We are pretty much on a psychic tender date together, you and I, if that's your favorite website. Or maybe we're just already members of a secret order. A secret order that must soon make itself known. Enchantment means that you have been enchanted. You've been won over because somebody did some magical chanting and all of a sudden, as Buck Owens wrote and sang, you got me under your spell. Maybe somebody bought a charm from the Bruja and now you're in trouble, especially with springtime on the way, the time of the Horn Gods. You might dismiss it all as just glamour, but glamour is a spell too. That's what the word means. Jameson's 1825 supplement to his etymological dictionary of the Scottish language has glamour gift as the power of enchantment. Jameson's original edition, 1808, looked to Old Norse for the source of the word. And Zoiga's old Icelandic dictionary has glam sine, illusion probably from the same root as Gleam. We ought to get Jackson Crawford on this show just so I can get the pronunciation for a couple of hundred old Norse words that always seem to be relevant to the topics on this radio program. But the word translates to gleam sight. Gleam as in something shining. And sight as in second sight. As Scatman Crothers' character told Danny, well, she called it shining. Both grammar and glamour meant more or less the same thing not so long ago. The people who had the power of words, the ability to tell the old stories, to give prophecy, to receive information, 
like the biological radios we are, well, they would be the druids, the priestesses, the ones allowed in the inner sanctum, the sacred places, the old groves, the tabernacle, the open room atop the seven towers where the old magicians sing the old songs night and day. As Jerry Lee Lewis liked to say, think about it. A lot of people come to the desert seeking clarity. Well, you are not going to get it while waiting in line at a tourist spot in Joshua Tree, that's for damn sure. Maybe on a mountaintop. As long as you're alone, you need to be receiving at the nonverbal level, and you cannot have people jabbering alongside you, not for this kind of work. Well, it's enjoyable to go out in the wilderness with good people. But that's a different kind of thing. You want to talk to the others, you go alone. And you prepare for disappointment as most of the time you get nothing. Nothing but a beautiful, wild day in a beautifully wild place, which is quite a lot and good enough for most people most of the time. Some years ago, when I was living in the mountain foothills of Yucca Valley, in a strange longhouse I'd seen in visions and kept sketching when I was trying to draw something entirely different, I slept late on a Saturday when the house was empty and quiet and I had a long dream. A long, beautiful dream. I thought I had awoken because I was in the same house on a bright desert day. But to my delight, the landscape had transformed. You know what it looks like around Yucca Valley, around Joshua Tree, the bleached, yellowy, boulder hillsides, the Mojave Yuccas... None of that was there. Instead, the landscape was of red rock and red soil with brilliant green junipers and pinions everywhere and a fantastic energy rising up from the very ground, a low hum from below. Not quite audible. A vibration. The manifestation of the supreme sound of God, as they say in the Hindu holy books. Um. Felt not heard. Where was this place? Well, the spell broke, the glamour receded. And there I was in the Mojave again. But seeing this rich red and green landscape of eroded rock and gnarled juniper, I 
I knew I had to find out where it was in the daytime world. The waking life. It was pretty easy to find the exact landscape. Just took a couple of days of looking at photographs of arid places around the world, places known for that rich, rusty red geology. Well, it was Sedona. Kinda obvious. But somehow I had never been, even though I went to middle school in Arizona and logged a lot of good school field trips and overnight camps. Visits to the Grand Canyon, to the ruins of Casa Grande, to that desert science camp at Lake Pleasant where I first met people who loved the desert the way I had begun to love it. But I'd never been to Sedona in particular. So I got my affairs in order and I headed out there the next week. Now, Sedona is not like Joshua Tree, and it's not like the little tourist towns around Zion, around the Grand Canyon. It's something different. For one thing, it's a summer home for a lot of rich people from Phoenix. It's cooler. There are rivers and creeks. It's just a world away from Phoenix in August. But that makes it dull, too, that part of it. Any place that's made to cater to the luxury interest of John McCain or whoever is going to have a stink about it. So I avoided the art gallery malls with those rancid, fake Native American thousand-dollar uglies and the golf club restaurants and the areas where those godforsaken helicopter tours rumble overhead. All that horror that could be avoided if the whole place was a nature preserve instead of a lot of real estate development and abused national forest lands and a couple of real sanctuaries. Well, finally, I found the place, the place I'd seen. It was Red Rock State Park, and I pulled up on a cold, late winter weekday afternoon, and I had the place to myself after an hour or so of walking. I wasn't entirely sure what was happening. But at some point, like a true Sedona New Age nutcase... Well, I found myself sitting on a rock ledge and holding on to the deep red rock on either side. Because when I touched it, as opposed to walking atop it, I got this charge and I recognized the hum, the strange vibration. And there were images that went along with this. Flashes, shards of information. It was both physical and mental, not that you can divide the two. But it encompassed thought and feeling, all the senses, especially that sixth sense. 
the glam site the old Norse wizards chanted about the shining and I just did not know what to do with it in time those flashes of whatever developed a voice I could hear in my head and I wound up taking some time off work and typing up a book a book of letters epistles written to a group of people I did not know existed for real not letters from me I wasn't in a position to write letters like that to anybody And then six months after I published this little book, which I called Dignity, based on a recurring theme of the letters, I saw those first wild images from Occupy Wall Street in Zuccotti Park, that concrete stockbroker's lunch spot down by Wall Street. And the place was filled with people that I'd seen. Those faces, that crowd, that strange energy. And so I got out there as quickly as I could, and it was all as I had been shown. As thousands of people had been shown maybe millions who knows but people had come from all over they'd seen it and they'd been drawn there like Richard Dreyfus saw that devil's tower in the movie that mountain the white man named devil's tower even though it was a beautiful and holy place to the people who lived there first So I would drag people down to the Occupy Wall Street camp whenever I could. People I knew, people who lived in New York, who for whatever reason had avoided the scene, the busy and chaotic and messy scene that was Occupy Wall Street. Some of them got it, some of them saw it. Others found it distasteful, a little scary. What if things did change, then what? Would I lose my place? Would they come for me? Kanye showed up for a few minutes. One day, and he was wearing so much jewelry that I almost felt bad for him missing the point like that. But Kanye went nuts from the visions, too. Now he's traveling the country on a church revival tour with gospel choirs. It gets us in various ways, you know. 
Kanye was this crude, vulgar, wealth-obsessed, critically acclaimed hip-hop star. He still is, mostly, but he's trying to get out. He's trying to get free. The prognosis is not good, though, for anybody who gets blasted by this stuff. Anyway, a week or two after I left, after I was back in the relative safety and obscurity of the Mojave Desert, well, that's when Michael Bloomberg signed the secret midnight order to send in the goons, send in the police clowns in their riot gear with their tear gas and fire hoses, rubber bullets and Klieg lights and urban assault vehicles. Uh, They cleaned the place out fast, and that was the end of Occupy Wall Street. At least that's how it felt at the time. Uh, Another movement crushed, another natural uprising, looking for a focal point, collecting there and being violently dispersed by the owner of Bloomberg News, a corporate empire built on selling nonsense to the rich, selling lies... Selling lies through the old scarcity system. The Bloomberg Terminal. If what's happening today feels like it's linked directly to back then to Occupy Wall Street, to that month-long occupation of a concrete corporate place for junior stock jobbers to eat their lunch and nervously inhale nicotine, that's because it is. In the eight short years since, which only feel long when you have to live through them, we once again see the forces rise up once again. Both sides, so often the very same people. The people who were brought there, lured there, called there to try to make it happen. And the people who hoped thought, believed, they crushed it all, nipped it in the bud. Enchantment. When a teenaged Edward Abbey stood in that empty boxcar, choo-chooing across the great American desert, the feeling he got from gazing upon that landscape of red rock and juniper of mesa and mountain. That was enchantment. He was back a few years later. He could not get the place out of his mind. back after serving as a military policeman in post-World War II Italy, the old Roman Empire. He was back in the land of enchantment. And then the Grand Canyon and arches Death Valley, Moab, and Tucson, a grand tour as a seasonal ranger, 
college student, newspaper editor, unemployed poet, constant walker, scribe of the wild southwest. He never got rich. He never got too famous. He never found peace. But he tried. I better clear something up because I'm already about two years behind with everything and time is running out time is always running out it only runs in this one direction during our day-to-day struggle and we are not getting more time So I don't want to waste yours. Recently on this broadcast, I was lamenting the state of the world as I sometimes do. I've always sort of thrown myself into mad pursuits, lost in beautiful causes, do first, contemplate later, and I guess it's just our nervous era with most of the life crushed right out of us. I just wonder if anybody does that anymore. We've mostly become these biological robots nervously paying or not paying bills worried about everything all the time. The age of anxiety, constantly assaulted by garbage nonsense designed to make the biological robot feel shame and sadness about everything. What are you doing wrong today? Well, according to the latest updates on your phone, on your handheld bummer that you only put down when you're in the shower, it looks like you're doing everything wrong again. Relationships with other humans? You did it all wrong, according to social media content generators in desperate fear for their gig economy jobs. Eating? All wrong. All the time, and it's all your fault. Why, you idiot, you don't even know how to peel a banana correctly, according to some illiterate clickbait posted to a website. A website bought by a vulture capital fund, which then fired all the writers you used to like there. Exercise, retirement accounts... 
wine pairings, home maintenance, preparing oatmeal, slicing apples, pest control, fuel-efficient driving, cleaning products, laundry habits, streaming video, wedding invitations, divorce proceedings, ethical vacations, college admissions, credit card interest rates, screen time, posture when sitting or standing or working or sleeping or weeping, cholesterol, comprehension, constipation, composting, you're doing it wrong. All according according to to the the great great beast. The great beast. We are connected to... So, while I deeply appreciate those of you who've been sending me resumes and heartfelt letters and kind offers to help out with this or that magazine-related chore from wherever you are, I need to make it clear that last week's lament was just that, lamentations about the situation. So that's what it was about. Wouldn't it be nice to quit your New York media job and not need money and abandon everything and move to the desert? Like one of the old desert mystics who just walked away and somehow made their journey from Rome or Alexandria or Antioch to the wild desert waste beyond the Nile. And then they would carve out a hole in the limestone, and that would be home for life. So many people wrecked by the inane hassle of life in the empire just left, and they just moved into these desert holes in the early centuries of the Christian era. So thanks for responding to these lamentations. I appreciate it, even though, like I said, there's no paying job, there's no career. If such a thing existed, I'd be first in line. Now, if you happen to know a publishing company or something, if you're sitting on a pile of golden treasure like the dragon and the hobbit story, and you want to put it to use before the kids take it all to save the planet, I'm all ears. Such people do come sniffing around now and then, but the rich are not quick to part with their riches unless they're buying a couple hundred million in television advertising for themselves. From Amboy to Zizix and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, this is Desert Oracle Radio. We broadcast from Joshua Tree on Friday nights, and you can catch us on a few public and community stations in the western USA, and you can get our podcast through all the usual corporate outlets. Our next live event will be the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs, March 12th, Thursday at 7 p.m., outside around a real campfire, free to attend. Use the code DESERTORACLE to get a discount on your room if you're staying at the Ace, and we shall do it again on Thursday, April 2. We've got an events calendar on our website, DESERTORACLE.com. We've also got a Patreon set up, and boy, am I thankful for those of you who contribute to the operation out here. Become a patron of Desert Oracle for as little as $2 a month. We'll take more. And we'll keep making the program because we love to do it. And by we, I'm talking about the whole Desert Oracle team. Red, blue, black, silver, of course. Tommy over in Enterprise Sales. Cordelia, our interim CTO. Max and Yolanda in the main lobby. And Dimitri, who manages the warehouse. Good night from the voice of the desert. 